Welcome, welcome, welcome to Miami Sports Pod after a wild week in the world of Miami sports. And uh, Duke, you real fast, why don't you <laughs> relay again to me what you just said a second ago about your your swings of emotions over the last few seconds? Well, <laughs> so we're discussing, you know, a little behind the curtain, we're discussing, okay, what are we going to talk about? And Clay's like, all right, we're going to mix it up. We're going to talk Dolphins, we're going to talk Heat. I'm like, great, great. He's like, we're going to talk Canes. I'm like, and I started cursing. <laughs> I mean, I'm just gonna be honest. And I'm like, dude, I was I was in such a good mood. I was thinking about the heat and like the last two days have been great. I'm in this great mood, and then you gotta mention the canes, and then I I had like buried it in the bottom of my brain, and now I gotta think about that. So, so Will Will has the night off, so uh, we're gonna bounce around a little bit. Uh, but you know, we're gonna get to the to the good of the week. It was kind of a week where you had the lowest of lows. Although I don't know, did it really get lower than the FIU loss yes. if you're a Canes fan? Yes. Okay, all right, all right. That, that answers the question. Um, and then kind of a, I'm not going to say the highest of highs because this is an area that's won championships and all that, um, but some some really high highs relative to regular season games in, in those two wins for the Heat and then the win to close out the week for the Dolphins, which the most important thing, it did not affect their draft position. So the tank, as much as it was still intact, the tank that I guess was missing – all sorts of parts because they went five and eleven um, was still intact. So, but let's start, Dookie. Uh, let's do bad news first. Oh, great. so because right, I, I want people, I want people to hear your emotion because because what I really like about this is, you know, I I love college football. Uh, it's probably my favorite out of all the sports that that we cover and follow and. I kind of come at this sometimes from a bit of an analytical perspective because nobody around here cares about Virginia Tech outside of when they play Miami, so I can kind of look at it a little more objectively. You come at this uh, with the mindset of a Canes fan, so I want to get your take on that in just a second. But first, our sponsor, Vera Motors. When you spend your hard-earned money on a car, go to a place, also hard-earned money on a car, go to a place with a reputation, and I promise you there is no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors, Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Pembroke, Pines. The Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years. For the best deal in South Florida, the best service, Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke, Pines. 14 nothing against Louisiana Tech, Dookie, go. I mean, the game made me question my life choices. Wow. I mean, let me start with that. The thing about the FIU game, if we're being really honest, is... There's a certain level of respect that you have to put on FIU if you're in South Florida because they're a South Florida school, because it's Butch Davis, because it's Pete Garcia, because it's it, they're, they're South, It's a South Florida school. So as someone from South Florida who covers South Florida, there's a certain amount of, of the inability to pile on the FIU game, right? This bowl game, I immediately didn't want to watch. I didn't want to watch, but I knew I had to watch because... That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to watch your team and see what happens. And Manny Diaz called it the bridge to 2020, which, looks, yeah, it's quite a bridge. And um, so I forced myself to watch. And it was one of the situations where I was home. So I had to get my wife to agree to kind of let me watch with the kids around. And, like, you know, as a husband and father, you, don't, you only get so many, like, cards you can play yeah. of getting yeah. to watch the big game while yeah. the kids are around. And the whole game, I'm like, why did I waste my get-to-watch-a-game-free card on this garbage? And the the Canes looked dispassionate. They looked disinterested. But I thought, worst of all, they looked overmatched 
overmatched by Louisiana Tech. And then someone posted on Twitter a clip of Sean Taylor making an interception against Louisiana Tech. And I'm like, that's what Miami's supposed to do to Louisiana Tech. And so, you know, Dan Enos couldn't have left quick enough. And uh, look, Manny did the classic coach who's in trouble move, which is he threw his assistants under the bus, which is fine. I salute him. Good job. Way to get rid of Dan Enos. We're taping this podcast on Sunday. I would not cry if by Monday morning when I woke up, more assistants were gone. I would be delighted. Nothing worked. Sorry. Six and seven isn't good enough. Losing to FIU, Duke, and Louisiana Tech consecutively, not good enough. Um, But the thing about Manny's move is... It's all on him now. Like you all, I feel like this is a card. We talk about I played my I get to watch a game card. He played his I get to throw my coordinator under the bus card. Yeah. He used it in year one. Okay, fine. Well, now all that positive feeling that he had last offseason with the with the the marketing and the big smile and and woo, we dodged a bullet. He almost left for Temple and uh, the social media and the transfer portal and all that good feeling that he had leading up to it. Do you remember what I was saying? Do you remember what I kept saying when everyone was super excited about Manny? I kept saying, well, let's wait until after the Gator game before we make a judgment. Yeah. Because if they if if there's all this hoop to do and then they go out and lose to the Gators, what, then what did it mean? Well, it was a whole season of hoop to do buildup and a 6-7 and seven performance. So I think Manny's at the point now where he's got to win. Like and it's and it's not a two year plan or a three year plan or a couple of recruiting classes. If they're anywhere near what they were this year, he's done. Because because the alumni won't have it, the board of trustees hopefully won't have it. I know fans won't have it. I, it the worst part of the Canes game for me was just the amount of of apathy it engendered. Like they were getting spanked by Louisiana Tech, and I was like, yeah, this is this is about right. Like, I wasn't even upset. I was just like, what am I doing? Why am I watching this? Yeah, well, in the shutout, I think. Yeah, that that added it. You yeah. know, I, I think that kind of turned a little bit for, for some fans, and I think I speak for you a little bit on this. It turned a little bit more from apathy to anger, um, even more frustration, I think, than, than there had been already. Uh, so, uh, full disclosure, I was driving. I was traveling out of town. And sometimes even when I'm home, I like to listen to – Joe Z do these games. Joe does such a fantastic he's job. He, he's so good at painting the picture. And sometimes sometimes I learn more things listening to him because he can tell you more about what's going on because yep. they're in the booth and he and DBJ do a really good job. Um, and the thing I, I kept hearing over and over again that I found interesting was there were no receivers open. And what struck me there, Dookie, is that there's too much talent, especially at the skill positions at Miami. And I get, look, maybe you you don't have an Andre Johnson or a Santana Moss on this roster. KJ Osborne was, was really good. But you have enough talent to where you can scheme guys open. So my first thought listening to the broadcast was, oh, Dan Enos definitely needs to be fired. If with this talent you can't find a way to get those receivers open, then we have a real problem here. So... Push that aside because that ultimately ended up getting done. The well, second thing, well, one, one more, one no, more thing go to for that. It, go for it. Okay, let's just look at their offense. Okay, let's just look at their offense. What was goal number one coming into this season? Find a quarterback. Yep. How many quarterbacks did they play in the bowl game? Three. How many of them were effective? Zero. Okay, so they didn't find a quarterback and they screwed that up all year. Okay, 
Could they protect the quarterback? No, they could not. They gave up over 50 sacks on the season. Could they run the ball effectively? No, they could not. So they're off. Well, well, when they committed to it, I mean, when they when they when they committed to give the, I mean, that was my big frustration with DJ Dallas. Or, okay, so me, with with the right. FIU game was not giving the ball to DJ Dallas. But no, I, I get what you're saying. No, so absolutely. they didn't. So yes. so of all the things that they could accomplish, like there's only one player on the roster, one the whole year who I can point to and say that guy got better all year. The Canes did a great job with him. He's a stud. He's a future NFL That's superstar. Rousseau. That's it. Yeah. 15 on defense. Yeah. Not 15 on offense. They got one guy in the whole season. They used to have a program full of guys who they developed. We talk about the heat. We don't just talk about player acquisition. We talk about player development. Guys get better when they come to the heat. Nobody got better this year because they played for the University of Miami. That's Manny's job. You had one job. Make the guys better. Did it? Did you see anyone get better besides 15 on defense? Nope. No, so, not that I could So tell. for that alone, the year was an abject failure. Fine. You want to blame the offensive coordinator? Cool. That's your pass. This happens again, it's you. Yeah, and, and so I and I and if Manny doesn't like that. No, I get it. I get but but this was the other thing I think that bothered me a little bit, Dookie, and, and I try not to parse the words in the moment of coaches immediately after games. Because I think a lot of times key to the moment you're you're going to say some things that maybe you don't necessarily mean it happens you misspeak and and you know hey we're, we're in a business where we do things live and mm-hmm. and sometimes look i give people grace for that however every single game this year that i can remember and it happened again after this bowl game manny diaz made a comment that he was proud of the team's effort yeah i'm sorry man but Given the talent level on this team, you can't tell me that the effort level is where it needs to be. Now, does that mean that that all 11 guys that started on each side of the ball gave poor effort? No, of course not. Of course not. I I, I, I speak very glowingly about, about DJ Dallas because I, I just think he's fantastic. Yeah, I love and him too. It was a bummer that he got hurt and wasn't able to play in that bowl game. But there are plenty of guys who are giving all – Shaq Quarterman. I, I mean, it's it, – those are the types of guys I don't I don't ever have any questions about about those guys. What what I wonder though is where's he going in the draft? Fourth round, fifth round, yeah, sixth probably. round? Probably. Well, yeah, uh, something like that. But I, I guess Dookie, my my question is, you know, if you're going to stand up there and say uh, I'm proud of our effort after that, and after at what point do your words start to? I guess work against you. And like if you're in that locker room and I don't know if they listen to what what Manny says after the game, but if you hear that he's saying he's okay with that effort. And and look, maybe he's saying something completely different behind closed doors and that's again why I don't I don't necessarily take at at face value what coaches will say. I mean, we had Sean Payton the other day from the Saints. He was asked about his interest in Antonio Brown and why he said a few weeks ago that he wasn't interested. Well, I probably lied to you back then. Um, so <laughs> so coaches do. I, you know, it happens. Yeah. But when you say it over and over again, at what point does that become a pass for those players? And this is okay. Um, so let's, let's just add that to the list of things that yeah. he needs to get better at in year right. two. So bottom line. It's a long bo- list. Bo- bottom line. Bottom line. Um, yes, you're right. He's used that fire the offensive coordinator pass. So, and, and I, I think moving forward with this this program, results are going to have to come 
fairly quickly. And I'm not talking about improving from six and seven to seven and six. No. And, and you're gonna have to see you're gonna have to see a better vibe out there. You know, I, I spoke about this heat team going back to, to preseason. There was just a different vibe. Yeah. Like there were, it was juiced out there. Um, and you're gonna have to see a group of guys that really do give out full effort every single week and and really do know what their their uh, assignments are moving forward. Manny Diaz won six games in his first season, looked overmatched. Yeah. Brian Flores won five games in his first season, looked like he knew exactly what he was doing. All right, so, so let's yeah, – nice transition. So let's move forward then. Um, the Dolphins, that win on Sunday – you know, I felt like the Philly win, as we sit here on, on Sunday night, the, the Eagles are going to the playoffs. They won the NFC East at the time. That was a game that many people thought knocked them out. But regardless, they were playing for a lot. And the Dolphins beat them and beat them soundly. And I thought that was that was the win of the season until they go into Foxborough in Week 17. And that was a Patriots team that was playing for everything. It's been seven years since a team has gotten to the Super Bowl when they had to play on Wild Card Weekend. Because of what the Dolphins did to the Patriots on Sunday, it, I... They're probably not going to go. They probably, I don't think they have a realistic shot anymore. I didn't think, we talked about this off air a lot. I, I thought the Patriots really started to show some warts this year and, you know, for whatever reason. But you're going to have to go on the road, potentially, even if you win your first round game, you're going to have to go on the road to, to Arrowhead. So that's those were the stakes for the Patriots. And Brian Flores went in there with this group and smacked them. And and it was not a bunch of fluky stuff. They beat them fair and square. And, and yeah, I was just super impressed by that. Well, let's put it to you this way, okay? The outside observer, the casual fan, a media member who watches some of their games, who doesn't watch tape, but follows the Patriots. We all thought, man, there's, or maybe not me, but many people thought, man, there are some warts. There are some problems. There are some flaws. If we thought we knew the flaws... How well do you think Brian Flores um, knew the flaws? Yeah. He spent a lot of time in that building. After the game, he talked about knowing the janitors and the security guards, and he knows everything that's going on there. He knows he knows where the weaknesses, for lack of a better word, when you're talking about the GOAT, are in Tom Brady's game at this point. And the amazing thing about the Dolphins is, you know, <laughs> throughout the game, I was getting all these angry texts from my friends who are Dolphins, who are like, they were supposed to tank, and they couldn't even do that right. Which, as you said, they would have been the fifth win with a win, fifth pick with a win, fifth pick with a loss. But people were saying, "Oh, they can't even tank right." But I really think that, if nothing else, the 2019 season to me showed that Brian Flores. I'm not ready to crown him the coach for the next 10 years, but I really do think he showed a level of competence that we haven't seen in a Dolphins head coach since I don't know Jimmy Johnson. Maybe. I mean, I'm not going to go all the way back to Shula because I think Jimmy was pretty competent. But I, I just think he he's competent. And if you look at the the roster, between their 43 nothing loss the first time they played the Patriots and between this win, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick was like, oh, it's a tale of two seasons. No, it's literally a completely different team. Yeah. The Dolphins were bringing in guys on Thursday and playing them on Sunday all season long. It's more. It's clear that they're trying to implement a system that's not necessarily... Obviously, players matter and talent matters, but at least from my view, I thought the Dolphins are implementing a way to play football, a mentality of playing football. 
My big question watching Flores, and you know, the Dolphins finished five and four in their last nine, which I think is worth considering, but Flores was very risk pro risk in his last couple of weeks. They ran a lot of trick plays. I'm not just talking about the fake field goal that was incredible with the punter, but even against the Patriots, they ran five or six trick plays. They would go for it a lot. They went for two. There was this aggressive, almost wild mentality to the way that they played. And I wonder how much of that is Flores like, eh, what the heck? We're not, you know, we're, we're three and 11. Let's just go for it. And how much of that is his style? Because if that's the way he's going to play, that's awesome. Because yeah. Bill Belichick, when you watch Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick's the type who goes for two and who he, he goes throws for touch, fourth down. He throws touchdown passes to a linebacker. And he throws touchdowns. Right. And, yeah. he do, and he does that crazy stuff. So with Flores, I, I just wonder, like, when you give, if you give him a good roster, and who, who knows if he'll have a good roster next year? Just because the Dolphins have a lot of draft picks doesn't mean they'll use them well. I present to you as uh, an example the last 35 years. That's true. So to, you know, having a lot of picks is great. Picking well is more important. That's true. But assuming that they are able to put together at least a competent NFL roster, which I would argue they didn't even field this year and got five wins, is he going to coach like that? I don't know. That's yeah. that's my big question. Yeah, me. and and that's uh, that schematic stuff as far as. You know, what are you willing to do in a game? And and I, I think yeah. that, that makes this like you are not a Dolphins fan. You're right. a Giants fan. Yeah. We we cover the Dolphins. We enjoy when they do well because yeah. it makes our jobs I easier. I like when they're not boring. Yeah, we like when they're fun. So we look for that because it'll make our jobs fun and frankly easier because we can show the trick plays over and over again yeah. and that's fun. What I'm most impressed with, I think, is is the culture. And, man, I know people – There, there's a certain segment of the population the, of sports fans that, that hate, hate it when you throw around that word a lot. But I think it's so important, and I think you've got two polar opposites in where they are right now in the Hurricanes and the Dolphins. It's clear that the culture with the Hurricanes right now is one that – it's a team that looks like it quits after it loses a couple of games. It loses a few games. And it looks like the effort goes downhill. And say what you want about the Dolphins' first couple of weeks and how terrible it was, they never quit. And I get it, man. I get it that, oh, they're professionals. They're paid to do that. Like, oh, okay, we're going to give them a, you know, don't throw them a party just for doing their jobs. I get that. But it's easier said than done. And And what I think we saw with this group is – they, the guys who are left here, and, and that's after trading Mika Fitzpatrick and, and Laramie Tunsil, the guys who are left here and, and the few that are going to be a, a part of the core of this team moving forward, they have bought in. And I think a perfect example of all of this is Devontae Parker, yeah. somebody that, that you look at, and he was given a second chance by this group. And uh, he goes out, and in Week 17 – goes up against someone who a lot of people were ready to vote for defensive player of the year in Stephon Gilmore. Yep. And he absolutely destroys him. And to me, Dookie, that kind of, it takes away any thought of, oh, well, you know, Parker was doing this because, uh, yeah, they're they're going out there and, and, and playing footloose and um, throwing it all over the field and, and whatever, man. You're going up against Stephon Gilmore. And he did that at, what, 9 for 124, whatever it was. Um, so I, I think he's he's the perfect example of somebody who was given a second chance. He succeeded, 
And and that kind of reaffirms a belief in this coaching staff, in in this the the people in that building that what Brian Flores has implemented, if going five and four in your last nine games after going 0 and seven over the first seven isn't enough to reaffirm your belief, you now have individual examples Amen. of players. And and I also And that's think- what I asked about that's what I asked about Manny Diaz, right? right. I said which players right. did point. he make better? Yeah. I, I think that if you're gonna talk about a coach I think it's a fair question to ask, which players did he make better? If we did the Heat and I said, which players has Eric Spolstra made better? You would say Bam Adebayo. You would say Duncan Robinson. Kendrick you Nunn. would say Kendrick Nunn. Yeah. You would say Jimmy Butler. You would, I mean, you would say Myers Leonard. Yeah. You could keep going on and on and on. If you ask, which players did Brian Flores make better? Devontae Parker, Mike Kosicki, Eric Rowe, Eric Rowe, yeah. Christian Wilkins, yeah. I'm, uh, Brian Fitzpatrick, Devon Gotcha. Devon Gotcha. I mean, Jerome okay, so, yeah. Jerome, okay, so we have a list yep. it might not be a long list but again this was not a team with passably talented nfl roster and they knew it yep and and look at this list we wouldn't have made this list in week one no they got better and and they deserve credit for that on the other hand <laughs> i find this to be the single most confusing year of watching miami dolphins football in all of my years of watching the dolphins a win felt like a loss. A loss felt like a win. People were happy when they lost, sad when they won. It just, it made no sense. Like, people were... Well, no, let me tell you why. And I don't mean to interrupt, but I think... Well, I do mean to interrupt. Of course but, you do. We're no, interrupting each other But let me day. tell you why. Let me tell you why. Because in that locker room, like, it's it changed as the year went on. Because early on, it just felt... It, it, man, I was there... After the the first couple of losses, the loss to the Ravens and the loss to the Patriots, and it was a group that just it, it felt defeated, it yeah. felt beaten, and and then I think as the year went on, um, you you had a group of guys that was that were left that really started to buy in and and started to see little little results, and so I think, you know, even if you're even if you were somebody who kind of went back and forth with this tank thing. I think as the season went on, I get it, man. You want the number one pick. Joe Burrow looks great. I mean, Chase Young, whatever. But as the season went on and you started to see things, it was like, okay, well, you can you can see the, the bigger picture. And so the season became less about a draft pick than it was about yes. instilling that culture. Well, well, because look, when people talk about the Patriots dynasty, what are the two words they say? The Patriot way. No, they say Belichick and Brady. Oh, yeah, gotcha. Right? So so half of that formula is having the quarterback, but the other half is having the coach. And I think once people saw the competence, I think some people were frustrated by it. But if you look at the 10,000 foot above view... I think you go, okay, this is a competent coach. This is a coach who, who understands what he's doing, has a set of principles. But then there's the whole Ryan Fitzpatrick thing. To me, again, confusing. The reason I say that, he seems like the nicest guy in the world. Let's start with that. He seems like about the best teammate you'd ever want to have. The way he talks about his wide receivers, you talk about Devontae Parker, go listen to Ryan Fitzpatrick after any game talking about Devontae Parker and how hard he works and his growth and how proud he is and how much, how basically Ryan Fitzpatrick's belief unlocked the talent that was within Devontae Parker. Okay. So there's definitely something to be said for that. And he deserves credit for that. He's a veteran. He's been in the league for 15 years because he's a great teammate. Yeah. But on the other hand, he has 
really bad moments. And so this this whole season feels like a Ryan Fitzpatrick game. Like you have a really good feeling, but then you look up, you're like, wait, but they're five and eleven. So it's it's just this very mixed bag. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like a Ryan Fitzpatrick game where he has these crazy good numbers, but you lost by eight. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah, and like, I, like yeah. there's a good there's a yeah. good I, I understand all I I really understand the intricacies of all the good feeling around Ryan Fitzpatrick. I really do. And I think chances are, and and I I know you're a big fan of this, chances are in some capacity they're going to keep him. But if they draft a young, healthy quarterback, meaning not Tua. (laughs) Not Tua. Okay. Because the chances are at the fifth pick, they'll probably still end up, after all that, they'll probably still get Tua on his titanium hip. And so what... In my opinion, I would like a quarterback who is healthy for the start of training camp and ready to go and ready to be the future of the franchise. That, If I were a Dolphin fan, that would be number one on my list. But if they draft Tua, okay, you're going to play some fits. I get it. Like That's just how it's going to be dealt. Yeah, and, and we'll talk but more about that. We'll talk more about that. Over the next get, 12 Yeah, months. we've got plenty more. <laughs> I, I just feel like I didn't want to get through this entire podcast after the Dolphins pulled off the win that it was the win of the season. Yeah. And, and I think it kind of validated a lot of what Brian Flores has been telling us, by the way, since before the season began about hating the word tank and all Especially that. Especially when you compare week two to yeah. week 17. Yeah. 43 yeah. to nothing at home where it was a joke and yeah. Antonio Brown caught a touchdown for the Patriots and Tom Brady was laughing at the Dolphins yeah. to – the Dolphins took absolutely everything that the Patriots had worked for away from them. And now the Patriots have a really, really, really long road back to Hard Rock Stadium if they're going to go into the Super Bowl. All right, so we're gently ramping up, right? We, we started with the Canes, which was uh, not pretty. Then we, we got to the Dolphins, which uh, the season wasn't necessarily pretty all around, but a lot of pretty moments towards the end. And then you got the heat. And I think we're coming off... And you said it before we came on. You you said this was this was the most fun that you've had watching a couple of games in a long, long time with this group. And I think part of it was that it was a lot of good teams. And you know, you're talking about three playoff teams: the Heat, the 76ers, and the Pacers. And that back to back stretch for the Heat Friday and Saturday night, but also the way those games were played and and how this group whether it's going up against uh, a really good team like like those two or whether it's going up against uh, you know a team like the Hawks a couple of weeks ago, they always seem to find a way to, to do the things in the clutch that they need to do to win ball games. And, and so I'm, I'm with you. I just I, I felt like that Friday Saturday back to back, it just there's there's a different energy now and I feel like the the expectations, for this team, I feel like it's it's kind of changed as the season's gone on from not necessarily what their final seed might be, but I think as we see them go up against these these you know big guys in the Eastern Conference and, and especially Philadelphia, I think now it's not just okay get home court in the first round. I think it's okay maybe this team has what it takes when you get to to playoff basketball and it becomes a half court game. They're, they're making the plays now. What's going to keep them from making the plays later? Whispers. They are one of the top teams in the East. This is true. And that's, uh, look, the thing that was overwhelming about this weekend is just this team ha- is so stubborn. They have so much pride in every single game that they play, which is not something that is typical of 
professional sports teams, okay, let's start there, is not typical of NBA teams in particular. Many NBA teams mail it in on, on most nights. I think the Heat have one bad loss where they just, a stinker. Was it Memphis? They played badly in Memphis. Yeah. So I remember the one stinker they had all and, year. And what did they do two nights later? Okay. Philly. <laughs> so they have one stinker all year. Second night of a back-to-back of those scheduled losses, they take those personally because they're like, no, we're not g- – 15-1 and one at home, best home record in the NBA. They're only lost by three points to the Lakers, where Jimmy Butler had to look for a three where he could have tied it. I mean, this team refuses to lose. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about two plays that define, to me, the weekend and, to me, define the heat, okay? The first play was Goran Dragic's bucket against Indiana on Friday that won the game. That play, number one, everybody was involved. Starts with a Jimmy Butler miss. Jimmy Butler runs near the bench, grabs a rebound. Good ball movement ends up with Kendrick Nunn getting a reverse at the basket. He misses. Fine. Bam Adebayo fights for a rebound, taps it twice, controls it, throws it out to Goran Dragic, who settles everything down, calmly dribbles to the middle of the floor, throws up a floater, easy for me to say, (laughs) to win the ball game. And, oh, by the way, then they get a stop on the other end, with Derek Jones Jr. being a critical part of it. Okay, so that play was the heat. It was as if there were five Jimmy Butlers on the floor. Yeah, Everybody was playing as hard as Jimmy Butler. And then Goran settled everybody down and hit the shot. That's play one. Play two is against Philly. 12 seconds left to go in the game. Joel Embiid has 35 points. Joel Embiid is unstoppable. You got to foul Joel Embiid. You got to foul Joel Embiid. You're like, no, we're good. (laughs) We're going to form a random trap. Okay? Then, Jimmy Butler is going to reach in on his former teammate, brilliantly poke the ball out to Tyler Hero. The 19-year-old rookie will lead a one-on-three fast break with no numbers, no advantage, pull out, knock down a three, and then walk down the court and tell you about it. Yeah, yeah. Come on! And then, on top of that, your former player comes back, Josh Richardson, runs a play that we see run a thousand times and work like once. It's like it's like the odds of an onside kick, like factorial, yeah. like it, ridiculous, yeah. right? Yeah. Does the old f- miss the second one on purpose? Ben Simmons scoops in, hits an improbable shot to send it to overtime while committing a lane violation. While while maybe or maybe not committing a lane <laughs> violation, most teams that's a kick in the stomach, and they fold. They go, ah, we had our shot. Yeah. The Heat come back and win it in overtime. I mean, this team just doesn't lose. My my only fear, Clay, flipping it forward, is this. I know I'm wondering if the Heat are basically playing at a playoff level. I don't know how much higher they can go, in the sense that other teams sort of make their way through the regular season, and then when the playoffs come, they have that extra gear that they sort of shifted up to. I feel like the Heat are playing like they're in the playoffs right now. If they maintain this level, they're going to be competitive in the East. They could darn well end up in the Eastern Conference Finals playing at this level. I really believe that. Who kn- And then who knows, right? Yeah. But do they have another gear from here? Because to me, to me, the, it's, it's revved up about as hard as it can be every night. And I think that's what makes it fun. I think that's why Heat Nation and Heat Twitter and anything Heat are so in love with this team because they go all out all the time. Yeah. Other than Justice, who can't get on the floor. <laughs> well, and, and no. I get... No, by the way, I, know, I love I Justice, but I'm just saying, he's come back, Justice. Yeah, well, no, but, and I, I get what you're saying, and I think that is the concern. I think the counter to that is that when it comes time 
to flip the switch, we know where they are. But they flipped it. Right, but, at the, fl- I mean, but at the same time... More? No, well, Jimmy Butler thinks there is. And, and I was, that, I was that's listening my, to that that's, That is my, like my, my honest question. I'm not criticizing them for playing hard every night. They, this weekend... As if you're looking at two, most people will tell you, okay, Saturday, Saturday, the college football playoff was on. Both games were on. I had the college football playoffs on one TV and the Heat game on the other. Guess which one caught my attention? Yeah, because the yeah. Heat, because the Heat are going all out. They're yeah. playing out of their minds. They're playing so hard. Yeah, every game makes me curious. Like, really, you really. Do you really think they could play harder than they're playing right well, now? Well, I don't know that effort is necessarily what's going to improve, and I, I don't, I don't know. That I don't know if it can improve. improve. But yeah. I think what can happen throughout the rest of the season. I mean, again, I, are we? Do we think that this is the ceiling for Tyler Hero? Do we think this is the ceiling for Kendrick Nunn? I mean, do we think this is the ceiling for 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 uh, Duncan Robin? I mean, I I just feel Duncan like Duncan Robinson's defense can get better. Well, okay, and but <laughs> uh, see, if, this if is watching and, a team like specifically. Yeah, like, but, uh, he, but he what needs, I'm saying uh, what I'm saying is this is not this is not a group of veterans. This is not like the the 2016 Cleveland Cavs that coasted through the I mean, regular Tyler season. I Tyler Hero, what, Tyler, who was, who was the great player who he guarded the other day who said, uh, Tyler Hero shut me down? Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell yeah. of Utah. Yeah. Donovan Mitchell said, said yeah. there were three straight possessions. Fourth quarter Tyler Hero is a thing. Yeah, well, and that's but that that's part of that that it quality that the guys have to have to perform in those situations. I guess my point is, you have enough young players on this team that even if the effort is is going to stay where it is because there's just not another level to get to effort wise, I I think there is execution that can improve. And and Butler kind of started to allude to it the other night, and and then he kind of went off on something else uh, in a different direction, but. He made a comment about, you know, when we get up by three or four. And I think in the Philly game, it was around eight, maybe 10 in the fourth quarter, where this team, there have been times when they've gotten the, the bigger leads, but then they've, they've kind of let it slip a little bit. And I think part of that is they're still trying to figure out exactly who does what uh, in that initial stage of the fourth quarter you know what i mean like before mm-hmm. you get to winning time quote unquote mm-hmm. um but i think that's something where well that's where justice winslow is oh, sub- I, like yes that's yes that's where yes. justice Win- justice winslow can be a bridge yeah. and yeah. and i'm not ripping but like if you're looking for an area where they can get better justice can be a bridge between jimmy butler coming back with eight minutes left yeah. to go in the fourth and jimmy butler coming back with five you're still that, missing one of your your most important yeah, players and one that's of your best players. And, yeah. and and the thing with 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 jimmy butler is giving him fresh legs that extra three minutes makes all the difference. So yeah. I, I, there are there's like the, there are minor things. There yeah. are minor like like I said, Duncan Robinson could could do himself a favor by playing better defense because he's such an offensive weapon to keep himself on the floor. For example, yeah. Because I mean, late in the game, you want that guy out there. He's it's he's. True. I mean, Tyler Hero finds a way to get himself out there with both his defense and his shooting. Jimmy Butler, you can't take him off the floor. Derrick Jones Jr. is getting to a point where you can't take him off the floor. Yeah. His ball handling has gotten much better. He's his. I mean, his dunks, his attacking, or it's just it's, it's just shoot, a, yeah. It's just a, the bottom line is it's just a really really good team playing really really hard, beating really real. They don't have to me. There's nothing. I w- I'm I'm skeptical of everything. I'm skeptical. Yeah. I, I by nature I'm a skeptic. Well, and you were you were waiting for these games I was waiting, against these. Sorts yeah, of teams, I was waiting. Right. I, this weekend was a type of weekend I was waiting for. You know, color me sold. Like yeah. like I, I I am buying this team as a legitimate Eastern Conference contender because I think look Philly, as good as they are, 
one of their two best players cannot shoot outside of five feet from the basket. That's true. That's a problem, Yeah. right? They don't have enough three-point shooting. They don't. They got rid of J.J. Redick and Jimmy Butler, two of their best closers and two of their biggest veterans. That doesn't make a team better. Now, Joel Embiid, if he's healthy, is a force. Okay, so Philly's got issues. Milwaukee is all Giannis. As Giannis goes, so goes Milwaukee. If Giannis is off, they're done. That, yeah. I mean, I mean, and he's not usually off. He's, I don't know, best one or two or three players in the NBA. Yeah. But if you if you go up and down the Eastern Conference and you look team by team, the Heat are as complete a team as any of them. Yeah. And the and the other funny thing is, you know, watching this weekend, one one thing I couldn't help but think about is like, so Dion Waiters, right? James Johnson. These guys really don't fit. Like they re- like I was watching where was what minutes was Dion Waiters taking in that 76ers game? What use would he have been to the Miami Heat? Like they 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 are a puzzle that is so well assembled right now. When we, you know, I know you're big on trades and you're big on NBA rumors and you're big on, you know, who might be coming here and maybe Drew Holiday for justice and all yeah. the, all these different things, but I watching this team play I would love to just watch this team play and see what happens. Yeah. I, I I I I know I know they don't have a conventional like alpha like you know top 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 player, but give me Jimmy and Bam and and the rest of this crew and and I'll I'll see what happens against the rest of the East. I really would. And 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 I don't know if I felt that way two three weeks ago, but it's just this consistent effort. I mean, I they just don't. They don't put up stinkers. They, yeah. ju- they just don't. And in a seven-game series, if you have an NBA team that is going to go 200 miles an hour every play and is deep and has some veteran leadership and has some scoring and has a couple of really, really good outside shooters and has a top-flight coach, you're going to have a good chance. Any seven-game series. There's no team that I think, like, it's this is this is the post-Warriors era. It's not like everybody in the NBA is like, oh, we're playing for second because we know that Golden State has Durant and Clay and Steph and Draymond and, and they're going to win the championship. That's done. The Everything's open now. And, you know, when you look at that, I think the Heat have, in the East, as good a chance as anybody. I really do. And, yeah. I, and, and that's without doing anything. That's standing pat. This roster. Yeah, I'm. I'll, I'll still follow the the trade talks and stuff like that. I just think we're at a point with this team where they're showing enough, and and I don't know that they deserve it. Yeah, like they, they yeah, deserve yeah, a shot. To, yeah. In my opinion, this team, the way they play together, the way they play hard, the way they complement each other, the way that, not just complement each other like their games, just just their whole vibe, like you said, just that whole the whole deal with this team. This team deserves to have a run because. I know that if I I would not want to coach against this team. I wouldn't just because of even Jimmy Butler put up Jimmy Butler's line against Philly was 25-9 and 9 and he couldn't hit the side of a barn that game. Yeah. He couldn't shoot and he had 25-9 and 9 by sheer willpower. Just driving to the basket, drawing fouls, just by playing hard. Just playing playing at a level that was harder than anybody else on the floor. Jimmy Butler put up 25 points on a night when he couldn't shoot. What's going to happen on a night when he can shoot? Like, yeah. like yeah. Uh, uh, that, that was an that was an off night for him. Yeah. So. Well, uh, we we should all have such off nights, right? But you're right. The shooting wasn't there. All right. Uh, 
the the wild week that was yeah. in in South Florida sports. And once again, we want to thank our sponsor, Vera Motors. When you spend your hard-earned money on a car, go to a place with a reputation, and I promise you, there is no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera <sighs> Motors. Vera, Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Pembroke, Pines. The Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years. For the best deal in South Florida, the best service, it is Vera, Cadillac, Buick, GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium in Pembroke, Pines. I feel I feel better now having talked about the Heat after starting talk, like I got I got some of my good and we didn't even mention what they did for Chris Silva. Yeah, uh, that was outstanding. But, I mean, um, they flew his mom in, sixty three hundred miles, eighteen hour flight, reunited her for Christmas. Yeah, well, and won two games. He didn't play, but they won two games. So so we we gently ramped up in this spot. We started at the bottom yep. with the Canes, then then up to the Dolphins, then up another level to the Heat, and then ended with the Chris Silva story, which was outstanding. All right, thank you guys. A uh, another big week ahead for the Heat. And uh, Dolphins offseason to look forward to. So a lot to talk over the next few weeks and months. A lot of fun. Who would have thought, man, a few months ago this place was this place was in rough shape. Oh, and pitchers and catchers are reporting soon. Yeah, we the Mar- aren't the Marlins going to get like a hundred hundred million dollar payroll? Yes, yeah, 